You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. I don't know about your week, but my week has been really, really eventful. I know Steve's has, Melena's, and probably yours has as well. And I don't know if you can see, but we've had a lot of children getting up. I mean, they have got a lot of kids. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. But this week, um, yesterday, Friday morning, Sheila and I got up early and we went to, uh, she headed with her and Emily to, with the two boys, um, our two grandsons, Sam and Judah, and they headed to Tupelo to make sure the house was ready because Amy and Matt, our oldest daughter and son-in-law, were coming in with our new granddaughter from Uganda, Africa. And I don't know if you've seen her, but I think she looks a lot like me. (laughs) But anyway, so they were coming in to Memphis, into the Memphis airport about five, uh, five, after five o'clock that evening. So Sheila headed to Tupelo to make sure the house was secure and do what she needed to do. Jeffrey and I were leaving from Jackson, going straight to Memphis. Ledge and Alicia and Ethan were heading from Jackson, going up to Memphis, and we were all converging there. Well, Jeffrey and I got to the Memphis airport early, and uh, as we, as not not long after we got there, we noticed a group of people, uh, people that we didn't know who they were, but they had signs in 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 the in Chinese. And uh, there were two little boys that had these signs in Chinese welcoming their new little sister. And, and, and so we looked, and, and, and I realized, I said, Jeffrey, look, there is a group of people gathered getting ready to do what we're going to be doing in about an hour and a half. And, and so we watched them. So we were able to just... We were able just to sit there and watch this scene transpire. The boys excited and beating each other with their signs, and you know, and just really, it was just really funny watching the dynamics and knowing that in a little while we would be doing the same thing. And then finally, there came that moment when this precious little couple came and they had this little Chinese little girl. And all of a sudden, they just begin to shout, they're here, they're here. And they're all excited, and they were waving their signs, and the little boys went running through the securities line, and, you know, and everybody said, stop them, stop them, and they ran, and the dad began to cry, and the mother was holding the little Chinese girl, and you watch this reunion. And I thought, wow, that's great. But that's a dress rehearsal to us. Because in a little while, a group from First Baptist Tupelo, where Matt is on staff, there came. And before long, our family began to converge. And we had our signs, and youth were there with their signs, and Sam and Judah were there with their little stuffed animals. And, and all of a sudden, we were the ones waiting, and we were looking with anticipation, and we were looking, and I was trying to keep Judah busy, and he kept saying, Papa, I got a poo-poo. Papa, I got a poo-poo. I said, not now, not now, Judah. You know? And then I got to laugh and I was walking around with him. Jeff, this is the same area that we were in when we were stuck there in Memphis going to Africa. And I'm sitting there and then finally I said, Judah, I said, when you see your dad, say, Daddy, I got a poo-poo. <laughs> but there came that moment when all of a sudden, man, the shout went up 
And Sheila waved, because I was walking around with Judah, and she waved me back over. And all of a sudden, Judah and Sam went running through the security, running past them. And all of a sudden, Amy and Matt were in tears. And there we were holding our little African granddaughter. And I thought, wow, you know. But this is just a taste of heaven. This is just a taste of what it will be. The title of the message today, The King is Coming. And I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to look over in Luke chapter 19. Because our friend Luke, who is a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul, is doing a lot of research and a lot of work inspired by the Holy Spirit while Paul is probably, we believe, in prison. And picking up at Luke chapter 19, verse 28, and I want you to see this scene. Jesus has, has gone through the Mount of Olives. It's about 2,700 feet up elevation. It looks out over the city of Jerusalem. He's come through these two small villages, Bethany and Bethphage, and he's making his way there because the Passover is getting ready to take place in Jerusalem. And his entrance is timed. If you'll notice that Jesus through his ministry was all, he had healed somebody, he'd say, look, don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. He was always kind of quieting down the crowd because he didn't want a revolution. He wasn't leading a revolution. And now it comes as if Jesus is orchestrating, he's bring, his sovereign hand is bringing all of it together, and now he's getting ready to enter and all into Jerusalem in all his glory because everything's been made ready. So we pick up in, in Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You tell him the Lord needs it. I want you to underline that. The Lord needs it. Those four words. Verse 32. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as Jesus had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. Let's say that together. Those four words. The Lord needs it. Say it again. The Lord needs it. Now, hang on to that. Verse 35, they brought it to Jesus. They threw cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks and their garments all along the road. When he came near the place which, where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God. And of what kind of voice? A loud voice. For all the miracles they had seen, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Everybody looked this way. I believe that Jesus laughed. I believe he laughed. And look at verse 40. I believe he laughed. He said, I tell you, if they keep quiet... The stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if 
you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and circle you, hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you, the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Now look at this, underline it. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you that you love us. We thank you that the King is coming. Lord, you're coming in all your glory. One day, dear Lord, the clouds will part. You will step into your creation and you will call your bride the church home. Lord, may we live in such a way that when that day comes, we will not be embarrassed. May we call ourselves to purity and holiness, keeping our garments like a bride who takes those, that beautiful white dress and grabs up the bottom of that dress and pulls it up into her arms. I've seen this over 30 years of ministry. So often a bride gathering up her dress, pulling it up into her arms because she doesn't want it to be dragging and touching this old dirty earth. Lord, may we be like that. And Lord, may we live lives that bring you glory and honor. And Lord, where we fail you right now, forgive us and cleanse us. And we give you the glory. We ask you, dear Lord, to move in our midst today. Forgive us of anything in our life that would hinder your word. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's three points here. The first one is what I call the request of the Savior. And I want you to see this. Jesus is on his way into Jerusalem. And as he's on his way into Jerusalem, he begins to make a request. Now he tells his disciples, he said, guys, he said, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into this village, and when you get into this village, you're going to see a colt tied there, this colt, this this donkey's, uh, this young colt's never been ridden before. He said, I want you to take that colt, and I want you to untie it. Now, Now guys, stay with me here. Now look at me. The owners of that colt are going to say to you, where are you going with that? What are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, hey, stop. What are you doing? And when they do that, you say, the Lord, this is what you say. Now, guys, you with I believe you, I believe sometimes. You ever get to your children and you say, now listen, look. Are you listening? Nod your head, you listening? Jesus says to Peter, he says to James, he says to John, he says to Thomas, whoever he sent, he said, listen, stay with me, guys. When they ask you that, this is what I want you to say. What is it? The Lord needs it. Okay, now don't forget that. Now, so first of all, we see the request of the Savior. In the east, when a king would come in peace, such as Saul when he came into the city, when a king wanted to come to a city and he wanted to give a sign of peace, he would come not on a horse, but he would come on a donkey. And so here Jesus is coming in peace, and he comes like a king, but he's riding on a donkey. Now let me put this in South Jackson terms, okay? You want me to put it in South Jackson terms? Jesus comes to you and says, now listen, I want you to go to the corner of Fortification and North State. There's a 2011 Nissan Maxima there. It is a brand new vehicle. The sticker's still on it. It's parked there in front of a lawyer's office. I want you to get that vehicle and I want you to bring it back to me. Now, first thing you're going is, oh, Lord, wait a minute. We're in the city of Jackson. 
Now, when you get there and you're getting ready to get in the vehicle, the keys will be in the vehicle. Now, when you get ready to get in the vehicle, somebody's going to come out of that law office and go say, hey, 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 wait, wait a minute, where are you going with my car? You tell them the Lord needs it. Now, I'm not saying go try that this afternoon. Okay? But here you have the request of the Savior. And the bottom line is, is what Jesus was telling these men is, He was saying this, listen, you tell them that the Lord needs this. Now I want you to understand this, God needs you. God has chosen to involve you and me in His kingdom work. He needs us. He wants to involve us and use us in some way in building up the kingdom. We discovered something. We were doing surveys back a few years ago. I don't know, Irene, if you remember this. And we were trying to figure out, you know, people were kind of uncomfortable with you coming up and doing a survey. We were doing these surveys for faith. And so what we decided, we said, hey, wait a minute. Why don't we use this? Why don't we do it a little differently? When we go to a home, let's ask them for a canned good. We'll put that in our food pantry. The moment we went up and asked people, listen, we're doing a canned food drive. We're also doing a survey, but we're doing a canned food drive. Could you go and give us just one can? We're only asking for one can. Man, some people would come out with a couple bags. Oh, man, that's great. And then we'd be able to do our survey. People want to be needed. And I want you to understand something, that what God is doing here and what Jesus Christ was doing is He was saying, I need you to be involved in this ministry. Now, notice here there's an authoritative command. This is a demand. Jesus in verse 34, He doesn't give no explanations. He doesn't give no details. He talks like a king. Kings are used to telling people, do this and they do it. And so there's a commanding uh, authoritative voice here. Let me read you something that I think is so critical. One writer said, Jesus expects us. Now this is when God calls you and I to do something. Jesus expects us to brush aside our own convenience and everything else. It should be enough that He needs us or anything that is ours. Let me ask you something. What do you have that God needs? I can tell you one thing you have, you and I, all of us have. We have our lives. We have the opportunity, there's a greater, there's a great meaning here because what Jesus is saying, He's saying, listen, I want to involve you, I want to involve you and use you into this, in this thing of building up the kingdom. That's what God wants to do. Last night we were at Josh and Betsy's in, in this prayer service and, and afterwards uh, Betsy walked me to the door and she said, you know, Brother Jeff, she said, isn't it remarkable at Southside? that you have people so scattered out. She said, here we are at Glutstadt. Here's some other family is. She brought up the Millwood. She said, they're in Brandon. Here's people from, uh, from uh, down in Byram and Terry. Here's people from Clinton. There are people, it's all, it's, she says, it's almost like God just takes us and gets us out of our comfort zone and just sprinkles us all over the city in outlying areas. Why? Because God is using you and I to be a part of the building of His kingdom. The Lord needs us. There's a greater and deeper meaning here. Tuesday morning, I got here about 6 o'clock in the morning, and I, I sat at my office, and I was sitting here looking at this passage of Scripture, kind of scratching my head, 
and there was the overwhelming presence of the Lord in that office. I just, listen, I just began to weep. I just wept. Because God began to remind me of something. He began to remind me of this. I thought of Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 where Jesus said, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Listen, you and I are filled with the Spirit of who? Of Christ. Jesus Christ, listen, He is living inside of me. So it was like Jesus was saying to me, He was saying, listen, if I am living inside of you and I have that authority, then if I can say to somebody the Lord needs it, then maybe you can say that as well. Now listen, this is critical. I need every one of you to listen very, very closely here. Okay, because I told Jeffrey and Steve and, and, and when we were riding along going to lunch Tuesday at lunchtime, I said, guys, I wish that the staff and our congregation could understand this. If we can understand that we can act in that same authority and say to people, listen, the Lord needs it. I unapologetically will approach people and say to people, listen, the Lord needs that. When you and I understand that we are filled with the the Spirit of Jesus Christ and we are acting under that authority, then when we are, listen, when we are about building the kingdom of God and we come to a need, something that we need in order to build up that kingdom, we can go to anybody and say, listen, the The Lord needs it. This is critical. I wrote down here, you know, let me give you an example. Take a right. Go over to James. I want you to see this. Go go all the way over to James there, right before 1 Peter, right after Hebrews. And I want you to see this. James chapter 4, verse 2. Now watch this. We all quote this passage. And I'm going to tell you what we do. We, We think that this means that God is running some kind of program up there in heaven that, you know, all I do is ask and God gives it to me. There's more to this. In James chapter 4, verse 2, watch what James says here. And I'm reading out of the NIV, New International Version. You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. Now watch this. You do not have because you do not what? You don't ask God. Now, I thought about this, and even Thursday, even Tuesday morning as I was reading through this, I thought to myself, I am filled with the Spirit of God. God's Holy Spirit is living inside of me. God says, listen, all authority I have, I'm giving that to you. If you're in the business of building up the body, the, the kingdom of God, and you face a need, then you have every right to come to God or to the body of believers and say to them, listen, we need this. We need this. I wrote this down here, and I want you to listen closely. I have no problem, and I'm talking to you as a pastor, listen to this. I have no problem like a missionary asking churches, Christians, followers of Christ to help us or to assist us. I have no problem confronting members who may be contemplating leaving, leaving to the spiritual and moral obligations of our work here. 
and to the fact that three or four hours a week is not a lot to ask in light of missionaries who sacrifice and even live with their families in primitive or dangerous places of service. Some of you drive, invest, give up personal conveniences. I know in order to be here, I want you to know something. I unapologetically don't mind telling you the Lord needs you. You may say, well, you know, the kids, they kind of, or the youth, or, you know, I I don't know. They're just not a lot of benefits. It would be a lot easier for us. We could, you know, be a lot closer. There are a lot of churches a lot closer. That may be true, but the Lord needs you here. And if you don't believe that, you come on a Wednesday night and you'll see wall-to-wall children and youth. You come through the week, you'll see people getting food. You'll see people getting food handed to them. You'll see people, uh, homeless getting sack lunches. You'll see homeless sitting there making phone calls and being ministered to. You'll see senior adults shut-ins that are living in this community like prisoners being ministered to by a homebound ministry. There are a multitude of ministries that are going on through this church because you're here. The Lord needs you. So here, unapologetically, as your pastor, look, I've gone to Brandon Baptist, wrote us into their budget. First Baptist Church, Anguilla. Man, listen, anywhere I go. When I went to Crossroads a few weeks ago to do a revival, you know what happened? That church the next day was bringing food to our food pantry, bringing needs to homeless. Man, immediately they began responding. You know why I told them? This is what I told them. I said, the Lord needs it. I'm just acting in the authority that God's gave, given me. I, I dreamed one night I started a church on, on, on I-55 North and the name of it, across the top of it was We Don't Want Your Money Baptist Church. I mean it. That, now you wonder what preachers dream. I dreamed that I started a church and the name of the church was We Don't Want Your Money Baptist Church. Listen, I can tell you this much. I unashamedly, unapologetically would say to you and I, listen, this is a church that I don't mind asking people uh, for anything. Man, I'm comfortable doing it. Why? Because it feels good to sometimes look at somebody and say, you know what? The Lord needs it. And you and I should have no problem in asking that. A moment ago, we watched literally, we watched about two busloads of kids walking out of this sanctuary. And it ought to excite us to, 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 to be a part. We pay Christina $200 a week. She is a student. And I can tell you this much, that little, that little bitty skinny white girl will go to South Down Arms, she'll go to Metro Inn, she'll go anywhere and everywhere. And I don't know about you, I couldn't be more proud. You're talking about a children's ministry that gets me excited. Man, I get excited about that. When I see Reggie handling and, 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 and interacting with those youth on Wednesday nights and see what he's doing and, and how he's permeating the lives of those young people and I see, uh, see both Tamara and Reggie being a part of that. Man, it excites me. We're not running some feel-good church gathering where once a week people come, we Burton baby and send them back out. We are aggressively on the front line of this city trying to reach it for the kingdom of God. Man, I feel good about it. In fact, I can tell you this much, I feel great about it, so I don't have no problem saying to anybody the Lord needs it. And I, I can tell you this much, you ought to feel the same way. 
You say, well, the people I live around don't have much. Well, I tell you what, you take a bag one day and say, listen, I'm collecting, I'm collecting canned food goods for our food pantry because come October, November, December, and January up to February, those five months, day labor, construction, and about all of that comes to a standstill, and all of a sudden we have people constantly needing help. You can say to people, the Lord has need of it. If you know of a suburban church sitting out comfortable, just kind of going through the motions, whatever, I don't have no problem. Walk in there and say to the staff, walk in there and say, listen, we have need of it. So we see here the request of the Savior. God's called you and I to be a part. William Carey, when he went to the mission field, he said to those people, he said, I'll go, but you hold the ropes. So the request of the Savior, but then there's the response of the saint. Watch this. When these people go and they request, they make this request, the owner of the colt immediately just gives it up. You know, it's interesting here, the response of the saint was immediate. It was obedience, it was swift, it was glad, it wasn't greedy, it wasn't stingy, it wasn't done with reluctance. You don't see, you know, Luke doesn't record here the man saying, well, you know, I only have one colt. You know he's never been ridden before. Don't you go out there and mess my colt up. Why don't you go over there and ask old Joe for his colt? Why don't you got to take my colt? Who's my colt? Man, listen, this was willingly in Luke and in Psalm 119 verse 60. You know what it says? We are, to, we are to obey God and we are to do it willingly and quickly. The Lord has need of it should be sufficient. It should cause us, listen, we just disregard our own comforts and conveniences. We say, listen, if God needs it, here it is, Lord, here it is. Let me give you an example. Suppose I was at the Memphis airport, or let's suppose you were at the airport. Let's suppose you were in the airport and you're sitting there when all of a sudden you turn around and Peyton Manning is standing next to you. And you kind of, man, how you doing, Peyton? Man, it's good to, good to meet you, wow. How's your neck? How's your paralysis there? How are you feeling? And all of a sudden, Peyton looks at you and says, Listen, I'm kind of embarrassed, but I've lost my wallet. Now, Steve, what was Peyton's contract? Steve's pretty good about stuff like that. You got any idea? 90 million, five years? Okay, well, we don't need to receive a love offering then for him this morning. But Peyton looks at you and he says, man, I am embarrassed, but I am about to die of thirst and I can't, I don't know what I did with my wallet. I don't know if I lost it. I don't know if it's in my luggage. I may have stuck it in my luggage, but I don't know what to do. Let me ask you, would you go, well, I don't know. I don't know, Peyton. I ain't got much money. I got a $100 bill and I sure hate to break it. Listen, you and I, listen, because of who it is and because of what the request that he is made, listen, we'd immediately go, hey, Peyton, yeah, man, I'd be glad to buy you Coke. Now, we're thinking, man, I'm going to get me a season ticket with this. Boy, this is going to be the best Coke I ever bought here. (laughs) You see, listen, it ought to excite you and I when God requests something, when he calls us to give something up. The king of kings has chosen you and I to involve us. And he needs you. And he needs me. But then thirdly and finally, there's not only the response of the... You see here the reward of the sacrifice. 
Let me show you something here. I want you to take a left and go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I want you to see this. Mark chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. See, Mark also wrote an account of this. But Mark tells it just slightly differently. In Mark chapter 11, verse 2, Mark adds something. Maybe you'll see it here. In Mark chapter 11, verse 2, watch what Mark says here. He says that Jesus says to to two of his disciples, he sends two of his disciples, verse 2, Mark 11, verse 2, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're doing this, you tell him the Lord needs it. Now watch, do you see it? The Lord needs it and will what? Send it back here shortly. Let me, get, let me give you an example. Let's go back to Peyton Manning. You say, man, look, Peyton, I'm, first of all, you do it just with Ben. You just say, man, no, no problem, Ben. That, that happens to all of us. That happens. Oh, come on, man. I, yeah, I'll be glad to buy you. In fact, if you want, you might, we'll just go over here and sit down and drink a cup. So you end up, man, you just have the, you just sit down, you give him a cup, you, you buy a coat for Peyton Manning. Next thing you know, you're laughing to talk and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm from Mississippi. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I'm from Mississippi. Uh, we got a man, our church is an Ole Miss fan. His name's Henry, Henry Boyd. That's, see, I couldn't say because I'm a state fan, so I'd have to use Henry. But anyway, we, you know, just sit there. And you'd be fellowship with Peyton, man. Say, buying him a Coke and everything. People would be walking by. You'd say, man, look at me sitting over here drinking a Coke with Peyton Manning. You know? Man, you'd just be eating it up. And what would be so, what would be so beautiful about this? Peyton Manning chose, listen, with his $90 million salary, he chose to use you. He could have asked anybody for a Coke. He could have asked some beer guzzler sitting over there at the bar to buy him a Coke. But he asked you. And man, you willingly, boy, you just give it to him. You have the best fellowship, the best time. Before long, you, man, you leave. And he, he said, Peyton looks at you and says, hey, uh, here's my cell phone number. You ever up around my neck of the woods? Why don't you, why don't you give me a call? Wow. Man, I got Peyton Manning. You'd be, yeah, look, you'd be going around saying, you know what I got here? Peyton Manning's cell phone number. <laughs> you know what I got coming in the mail? Season tickets. You know, who's, you know who said he may come by and see me on his way down to New Orleans? Peyton Manning's going to stop at my house. And guess what? I got a real surprise. He's going to call me and he's going to come worship with us one Sunday. Can you imagine Brother Jeff and Steve when they look out and see Peyton Manning sitting out in the congregation? You see, what, what you and I need to see is that when you and I give something willingly, just immediately with a grateful heart, when we just say, Lord, you need it, here it is. Man, there is the reward of the sacrifice. Man, all of a sudden we have this idea, God, you are using me. There's a quote here, I love this. It said, Christ only wished a short loan of the animal and it will come back far more precious in his master's sight than when it left. Can you imagine the owner of that colt? Can you imagine as the creator 
of the universe, the creator of that cult, the one that designed it, put it together, the one that planted the DNA, the one who saw to do all of that. Can you imagine as he, Jesus, sat upon that cult, grabbed the hair of that mane with his divine hands and began to make his way through Jerusalem? Can you imagine the owner afterwards, years later, after Jesus had been, after he had been crucified, after he had been buried, after he had been resurrected, after he had ascended to the Father, after the church began to spread all over the world. Can you imagine that man, that owner saying, you see that cult out there? That's the cult the King of Kings rode on. He could have made a living for the rest of his life. Here's the cult the King rode on. He could have given rides, no telling what people to pay just to crawl up on that cold and rode that cold. You see, when you and I give something, when we entrust something into the hand of God and we say, God, here it is. I know you need it. I know you'll use it. And God, when you give it back, it'll be worth far more than when I gave it to you. Because I'll take it and I'll multiply it and I'll use it That's what Jesus Christ... When we put things into His hand, the value increases. It becomes more precious. Tradition says that when Jesus was making His way to the cross, have you seen the passion of Christ? There is a scene when Jesus is making His way toward Golgotha, the Via Della Rosa. There's a scene where He falls under the weight of the cross. And when He does so, a woman comes out of the side, she takes a cloth and she places it and wipes His face. Tradition says the picture, if you remember in the movie, there is the imprint of His face on that cloth. That was based on a tradition of the early New Testament church. Whether it's true or not, we don't know. But I can tell you this much. Irregardless, the woman who wiped His face said, you see this? The king used this. That shouldn't be hard to understand. In our entertainment world, when Elvis Presley would take a cloth or a towel and wipe his head and throw it back to that person, the value of that sweaty cloth all of a sudden became priceless. Well, if the Lord can do that, think of Joseph of Arimathea. He loaned his tomb. You remember? He went, got the body of Jesus. They took the body down. He put it in his tomb, in his family tomb. Jesus only needed it for three days. Try that next time a burial policy comes up. Uh, Do y'all rent... I need to rent a coffin for an unspecified period of time in a place out at uh, Lakewood Cemetery. Uh, Don't plan on being there forever uh, because a resurrection is going to come and Christ is going to call me out of that grave so I don't need it too long. Can I rent one? (laughs) You see, Joseph of Arimathea rented a tomb to Jesus. Jesus used it three days, resurrected and, 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 and listen, and you're talking about tidy, he folded up the garments. Joseph of Arimathea, the rest of his life, every time he walked into that tomb, he probably thought to himself, every time he put a precious family member in there, he probably thought to himself, the king of kings was here. 
Angels stood at attention when the Mary and Mary and that and that small group of women came into this tomb. Peter and John walked into this tomb. Jesus was resurrected out of this tomb. My friend, when you and I give something that we have, no matter how precious it is, our lives, our family, our children, our home, our possessions, Jesus says, listen, I'll give it back to you and it'll be worth more when I give it back to you. That's the way it works. And I can tell you this much, I have no problem telling people we need that at Southside. None at all. I'll go up to Noel Daniels and say to Noel Daniels, Noel Daniels, we need a van for the children's ministry. Now then it becomes a matter of whether they will pray about it and obey. If I've been led to ask, I don't have no problem with it. You students at colleges, you should have no problem saying, I'm work, I'm, I'm, I was a part of an inner city church this past Sunday. I see what God's doing. I see what God's doing on Wednesday night. I want to be a part of a church like that. Now wait, now if you've just come to meet some, if you've just come to get some goosebumps and feel good and maybe meet somebody, you're trying to eventually find you a mate. And you may not like what we have to offer. But I can tell you this much, if you've come to plant your life and invest it into the kingdom and make a difference, and I can promise you this much, your life will become more valuable and more precious and you will be the kind of person people will want. I, I, I close with this. I, I don't know, Janice McBride, I thought about you because it goes back to people who say there won't be any, won't be, our pets won't be in heaven. Janice is like me. She had a dog that was like a part of the family. I had a black lab. Emily and I had this lab. Emily found this lab on the side of the road. Its name was Grace. Her and Corey went deer hunting. She came back and said, Dad, look what I found. It was the mangiest, dirtiest, filthiest little dog I've ever seen in my life. Just a puppy, a little black lab. Looked like, you know, we, she went back in and washed it, cleaned it up, sprayed perfume on it. You know, doing everything she could to get me to agree to keep the dog. Well, I kept the dog, and I want you to know something. John, I tell you what, I love that animal. I've never loved a dog like that. Well, that dog was hit and eventually died. And I tell you what, I thought Emily and I were going to grieve to death. An old, just an old stray puppy on the side of the road, Highway 16, between the interstate and Benton, Mississippi. But that animal had become precious to me. Emily's not in this congregation, but I thought, Emily, when, when I die, and one day when she dies, when she gets to heaven, I kind of hope, Janice, that she looks and sees me and old Grace, my black lab's sitting next to me. I don't know if animals go to heaven or not. I know that the Bible says the lion and the lamb, the adder, the Bible says all of those animals will be in heaven, but I don't know if animals that we've owned, pets will go to heaven or not. But I got a feeling that one donkey will be there. And I want you to know this, that all of this was because of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Zechariah in chapter 9, verse 9, you know what he said? He said to Israel, he said, See your king, he's gentle, he's mounted on a donkey, 
as he's coming into the kingdom. And he was coming in all humility, but he was coming as a king, and he was on his way to the cross. And just in closing, did you see what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, you know what they did? Here you have all these people, Jesus is coming in on this cult. The picture of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. The, mess, the Messiah. This moment he's coming into Jerusalem. People all of a sudden, they begin to shout. They begin to wave palm branches. They're getting all excited. The disciples were the first one. The disciples were sitting, you know, like Sir Walter Raleigh. You know, they were taking their garments. They were laying them across. These people didn't have hardly anything. They were poor. Most of them were poor. They were taking their garments, their much-needed garments, they were laying them out down at the feet. This colt, listen, this colt, this animal was walking on the garments of people. And they were shouting. Religious officials and leaders came out and said, Jesus, whoa, whoa, you got to stop this. They can't do this. And I believe at that point, Jesus sitting up on that colt, he laughed. He said, listen, he said, Creation, the rocks, everything. These rocks, you see these rocks? They're sitting on go. They're sitting on go. You know what my father, you know what the creator has said? He said, this is such a, this is such a pivotal moment in all of creation. This is the crowning jewel, the king of kings. He's coming into the city. He's taking the sin of every man, woman, boy, and girl. He's going to pay the penalty for that sin. He's going to set man free from the bondage that holds him captive. He is going to redefine creation. And if man will not worship, then nature will explode in a worship service. The rocks will start crying out. And oh, when you and I take our life and the Lord whispers in our ear, I have need of you. The Lord needs you. And hear me, the Lord needs every one of you. Every single one of you. The Lord needs you. He not only needs you, He wants to involve you into the kingdom. He wants you to come alongside and help build the kingdom up. He needs you, every one of us. It doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how much of a senior adult, how crippled your, uh, your, your body may feel, He needs you. If nothing but to pray for those people that are working. He needs you. He needs every child. Some of you children. He needs you in the schools. He needs you in your neighborhood. He needs you in the apartment complex. He needs you. I was sent to Zimbabwe, Africa years ago. When I got there, I met an old black African pastor named Simon Jaina. Simon Jaina had been in a wreck. His brother was killed. And he had a severe paralysis on one side of his face. He has to, Jeff seen him, he has to constantly wipe his mouth because he drools because he has no control over that part of his mouth. Here I was, missionary from America. The Lord said, I need you. So I went over there, Reggie, boy, I was there to help the people of Zimbabwe. You know how that goes, don't you? 
I went to help Simon Jana. Simon Jana helped me. Three and a half years, I trekked around this old African pastor, crippled up, old, decrepit-looking figure, drooling down one side, wiping his mouth. And he'd smile at me. My first Easter morning, he said, you'll need to be here early, Mofundis. I said, what time? He said, ah, Baba. He said, probably about four. I said, four (laughs) o'clock. I got there about 4.15, 4.30. Could barely keep my eyes open. And he said, come on, Bob. I said, what are we going to do? He said, we're going to march down through the streets. I said, Chitanguiza largest township in Zimbabwe, nearly a million people. People die out there, especially a Barungu. A Barungu is a white man. I said, and he said, Mabundis, come on, we're going. And we started walking. I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, you'll see. And all of a sudden we started out. Still not even lit up yet. And all of a sudden he was saying, Jesu, arimu upenyu. Jesu, and I was thinking, Jesus, Jesus, you is life. And then all of a sudden I smiled. He's saying, Jesus, he is alive. And so all of a sudden the Barungu at 4.30 in the morning is walking through the largest township in Zimbabwe alongside this old African. Jesus, you. Jesu, I remove you. Jesus, he is alive. And he needs you, and he needs me. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you care about us. We thank you that, dear Lord, in your infinite wisdom and your sovereign hand, that, Lord, you reach down and you say, I need you. The Lord needs it. You not only say that about our lives, you tell us, listen, we can go to other people and we can say to them, the kingdom is being built and we need this. Lord, you do great things in us. You do great things through us. But Lord, only when we give over to you our lives. And Father, I pray, dear Lord, right now that as your Holy Spirit may be working in some man, some woman, some boy, some girl, that, Lord, they might right now be faithful, and the Lord may be saying on that heart's door, I need you. I need you to open up your life, open up your heart. I need to come in and plant my Holy Spirit inside of you. You need to be saved. You need to give your heart and life to me, Jesus may be saying to them right now. There are others in this room that Jesus may be saying, I need you. I need you for service. I need you for ministry. I need you to be involved in some way. I need you to work in your neighborhood. I need you to be a light and salt and yeast. Where you live, where you work, where you go to school, I need you. I need the resources that you have to be a part of this kingdom. Lord, you've chosen to need us. We thank you because we know that, dear Lord, when you do, the value of what we give, even our lives, becomes so precious 
in your sight. Lord, Mother Teresa went to a far country. She planted her life in a leper colony of Calcutta. She gave every ounce of her being to serving those people who were dying of leprosy. Her life became so precious and so valuable that when she stood before the President of the United States, he bowed to pay her honor. Lord, you use us. Continue to use us. Use this church. And we praise you and we pray to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask you.